Welcome to the Retire Theater Podcast. This episode with David Bach, who takes moving out of the United States abroad to a whole nother level that most Americans have never even considered. I've been in the investment planning industry for over two decades. Many families over the last, let's say, 10 years have moved abroad in some capacity, whether it's Germany or the UK. Uh, one to France, a couple to South American countries, and they've all been in the full retirement mode. No one, no one that I have known of has, has done this in their 40s or their 50s. And today, David Bach, author of The Automatic Millionaire, The Latte Factor, and pretty much every other home-run financial book that has ever been published, breaks the barrier completely and suggests that you could go live abroad in your 30s or 40s and still continue to save for retirement. This is a fascinating interview. Straight ahead. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Today, I've got my good friend from a very far off place, but he feels like he's right at home, David Bach. Wes, buddy, good to see you. Congratulations on the new show. This has got to be so exciting for you. It, it, it really is exciting. Our mission, on, by the way, on this podcast is if we can help a million people retire one year sooner, we can help create a million years of early economic freedom, early retirement that didn't exist before. And with the 30 million folks retiring over the next decade, it's actually not as tall of an order as it might sound. So it's like, it's only one out of 30 people. That's a million folks and it's a lot of years. But I think my, my main, my, my, I was I'm jotting down notes about this interview and I'm thinking to myself, is it possible for the average American to retire abroad? First of all, that's a question I want to get to today. How is it, how, how is it moving? Now you've, you've done this to an extreme and you're in Italy. But even for somebody who's on the on the east coast of the United States, hey, moving to California might as well be like moving to Italy. Like, can you move to a, another place? Can you move to the lake? And then I want to talk about retiring sooner to another country. But then what you've done, it hadn't even registered with me until we started talking about, hey, we need to bring David Bach on the show here because you did this big international move before you even really retired. And I know you call this your radical sabbatical. And, and you're talking to me from a, a what looks like a Tuscan villa. Tell our audience where you are and what your idea was to, to move across, halfway across the world to the most enchanting place on the planet. Wow, there's so much to unpack there. Um, well, okay, well, first of all, so I am talking to you right now at this moment from my apartment in Florence, Italy. So, gotta be, you know, Italy, the entire country is amazing, but Florence is really, really a special city. And anybody who's ever been to Florence, Florence has a way of just staying in your heart. It's, it's a really, really unique city. And, you know, it's funny. I came here, Wes, as a college kid with a backpack, right? Like I did the classic trip around Europe after college. But I remember having a moment on the Ponte Vecchio, and you'll see pictures all over. You go to Instagram and just like, go to my page, go to David Elvac on Instagram, and you'll see all these pictures that I post from the Ponte Vecchio because the light in Italy is breathtaking. Like, like the Florence is, in, is, in, is actually in the region of Tuscany, and the light here is different. It's why so many artists have come here over the years. And I remember with a backpack right out of college, Going across the Ponte Vecchio. What is the Ponte Vecchio? I've, I've been to Florence, but what is the Ponte Vecchio well, so for our The listeners? Ponte Vecchio is arguably one of the most famous bridges in the world. And it's probably the certainly the most famous bridge in Italy. It's the only bridge that wasn't blown up in World War II in this area. And it's because it was such a renowned bridge. And today, if you go across the Ponte Vecchio, it's all jewelry stores. But a long, long time ago, it used to be, the history was it was actually the, it was, it was food, it was fish, and it was beef. And so I remember being this kid and being like, oh man, someday I want to come back here and retire. Now, the weird thing is, Wes, I never, like that's your soul, sort of speaking in a way, I think. I never thought about it again for 30 years. 
And then there was this point where I was, and this is kind of kind of go to this whole idea of retiring sooner. I was traveling all over the U.S. for three years. I have a registered investment advisor. I know you do too. And my talks were all towards our retired clients. Really, the whole goal of my talks was to inspire everybody who's retired to stop waiting to live their best life. Too many people retire and they're afraid to spend money. And so they, they waste the first decade of retirement. And it's the most important decade. Like we, we, I go through this thing that's called the, the three stages of retirement, the go-go years, the slower go years, and what I refer to now as the won't go years. And, you know, specifically when we show a slide on this, it's ages 60 to 70 usually is the go-go years. You retire, you have energy, you have time, you have family, you have kids that want to, hopefully grandchildren, and, you're, and you want to do all these things. You want to travel around, you've got, all this, you got, you got your dream list. And so that can be a really phenomenal decade. It happens to be it's one of the happiest decades of our life. Like research has shown that. And then in your 70s, often, not everybody's healthy in their 70s, and people do pass away in their 70s, and life expectancy has been going down, not up. And so those become the slower go years, often, for people in their 70s. And then in their 80s, you know, like my, my father, my mom came to visit me in Florence, but my dad's 80, and he's not in shape to come visit me here in Florence. He's just, mm. he's got, like many men, has gotten, uh, has deteriorated health-wise. And so I would talk about this at these these seminars and what would happen is at the end of my events where I'm signing books for people, the conversations were, be, would become really intimate, you know, where people would say to me, David, everything you said is true. And everyone had, you know, a lot of personal stories where like, you know, my husband worked until he was 67. We had all these plans to travel and 12 months into his retirement, he had a heart attack and he died. One couple I'll never forget it because they both, I'm, they're waiting for me to sign books for them. And I take pictures with everybody because this is basically their client appreciation events. Um, this older couple looked at me and they did, didn't look very healthy. And they said, she put her arm on me and she said, David, how old are you? I said, I'm 52. And she said, I got to imagine that you can afford to retire now, right? And, and I said, well, you know, yes, I can. And she's like, then don't wait until your 60s. We're both in our 60s. I'm 63 and he's 65. And we're, we both have cancer. And we both have, I have stage four and he has stage three. And we're not sure if we're going to be alive another year. And she said, we waited too long to retire. And so she literally like puts her arm on me and she's like, promise me you'll try to, re you'll, you'll, you'll take advantage of your go-go years sooner. Mm. And holy shit, you just uh, gave me chills. Yeah, by the gonna, way. The, 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 I mean, it gives me it, the hair on my arm is standing up right now. It gives me chills because I got home when I got on a plane flight and I came home and I said to my wife, You know what, honey, what do you think of the idea of us moving to Europe and taking a year abroad when our son, at the time, he, he was going to, I said, Let's do this when my, our son Jack is going to be a sophomore in mm -hmm. high school. So it was very specifically designed. It was very intentional. I said, let's, let's go away when he's a sophomore. So the whole family can go abroad for a year. She's like, how are you going to do that? You've launched this new RIA. You, you've got three books coming out. Cause I was updating smart women, finish rich, smart couples, finish rich, the automatic millionaire. And I was writing the latte factor. She's like, how are we, how are you going to do all this? And then we're going to go away and go, that's exactly what we're going to do. And I, and I was writing this book and this book, the main character takes a sabbatical and Zoe takes the sabbatical for six weeks. And I just said, you know what, if Zoe's, she's in her twenties, if she can take six weeks off, I'm writing the book. How about we take yeah. nine months off? And, uh, and so we started playing the game of where could we go live? And then we played that game and we agreed to go check out Florence. And we came out and looked at Florence. And when you and I were together in November, I was literally gearing up for this book tour for the latte mm -hmm. factor. And what was exciting was because it's a parable is I knew this book would go all, hopefully it would go all over the world. And it's been translated into a dozen languages. It's in Italian. I can now give it to all my Italian friends. And, and, <laughs> and, um, but we came here with the plan to be here for nine months. And what happened is, um, like, you know, I always say change, change your location. It changes your life. We got here and we immediately fell in love with it. Um, Hold on. So what year did you get there? Was it early 2019 is when you, when so you made we, the move? So we made the move in July of of 2019 and you know okay. that, that summer traveled all over europe and then school started for the kids in september and around october my wife said to me wow uh, you know 
it would be great to not have to leave at the end of this school year. And then the next thing I know, my son came to me and said, dad, is there any way I could finish high school here? And we said, yeah, you know what? We could probably pull that off. And so now we've been here a year and a half. And then obviously COVID happened and Italy was one of the first places to go into a, a lockdown. And I started podcasting about that because I wanted everybody in the U.S. to know what was coming. Like we could see the writing on the walls. We knew, you know, in a matter of weeks, this would be coming to the States because it was spreading all over Europe. But, you know, one thing I would say, because this idea that you want to help a million people retire one year early, the best decision I ever made in my life was this decision to move to Italy. I didn't know COVID-19 was going to happen. But there are so many people who, when this has now happened, I mean, my parents, like so many people who can't travel now, right? And they've been waiting to travel. And once, once it's safe to travel, people are going to travel again in, in, in droves. But the, the fact is, all I kept thinking when this happened was, thank God we, st- we didn't wait. You know, the, my whole theme of the Latte Factor book is to live your richest life now. And what I constantly talk about is that the purpose of financial planning is to... It's not about the money. It's actually not about the money. It's about how do you use money as a tool to truly live your best life. And and my message to our clients was, look, the reason you did all this, you did all this work to save money all your lifetime, and you did everything right. You hired a financial planner. You did a financial plan. Now figure out what it is you really want to go do. They and, and get the per, and get, they can give you the permission to go spend the money. The problem is you're you've all worked your whole life accumulating the money that now you're so hard to uh, loosen the purse strings. And, so hard. It's for so people. hard, and we don't. We the industry, our industry, the financial service industry, has not done yet a strong enough job in teaching people how to decumulate. We we've spent so much time making people. Uh, afraid that they're going to run out of money. And U.S., you know this, like by the time the average person hires a, f- a financial advisor to do their retirement plan, they've done a great job. In most cases, the average American has paid down their mortgage. They've saved you know, a nice amount of money in their 401k plan or their IRA account. And God bless you. Now go have fun with it. Same thing like with Social Security. Like I'm a big proponent of, I, I'm always promoting people take Social Security early. Oh, but I don't Just need them. Yeah, take it at you know, 62. Take it at 62. You, 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 and, and people are like, oh, no, no, it'll be worth more money. And, we've, and the government doesn't want anybody to take it early. I'm like, take the money the moment you can take it, especially if you don't need it. For people who don't need the money, the reason you take it early is to just take it and go have more fun with invest it. it. Go well, invest it. Yeah. If you you know, really, yeah. Travel first class. Take another trip when you can travel. Give money to your grandkids. Give money to your children. Spoil, like, give money to charity. How you have fun with this money. Um, and I think it's funny when I do my talks and now I'm doing my talks over Zoom. When I start telling people in their 60s, what are you waiting for? Take the trip you want to take. Get the bigger. I used to say, get the bigger suite on the cruise boat. You know, and the wife would be elbowing her husband. Well, now nobody can go on a cruise boat. But, you know, a lot of people can't wait to go on those cruises again. And I mean, go travel first class. Go do the things you want to go do. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm clearly talking to a certain, certain type of audience right here. But I, a lot of Americans, tens of millions of Americans have done actually a great job of investing. The stock market's at an all-time high. It's the purpose is not to just see your accounts go up when you look at them on your phone. There's a point in which you take the money and you actually go utilize it if you want to utilize it to do things that maybe you're not doing. Let me ask you this. The One of the things that I was, I'm thinking about your career with, with the latte factor on how to live this wealthy, this life of, of joy and wealth uh, the and not be and not burden yourself with the decumulation that that you talk about because it is scary it's a hard transition for people but i think about automatic millionaire and i think about smart couples finish rich and smart women finish rich you, you it's it's you are one of the first people in our industry in in personal finance and, and financial planning and investment planning to almost begin with the end in mind so i think of Wall Street very much says it's all about money and accumulation. And it's almost though if they if you're to visualize what Wall Street wants you to visualize, it's like a visualize this pile of money. What David Bach, I think, taught us, what you've taught us is, okay, no, no, no. Visualize where you want to be in the world. What beach do you want to be on? What European city do you want to be on? And then start funding your funding your goals 
as as you've as you already have the end in mind and are do we do we do that enough are, are we still doing that or not yet no uh, we're not doing it enough and first of all i appreciate you uh recognizing that i was one of the first to do that because i think i was early you know they, today we call it holistic based financial planning i was talking about it in smart women finish rich and smart couples finish rich as purpose focused financial planning and and what i've taught for 27 years now is that when your values are clear, your financial decisions become easier. You know, I think the most important thing in life, especially for couples, is to sit down together and really discuss your values. You know, a lot of times we do this before we get married, but then we, as time goes on, we sort of stop, right? And I think talking about your values, like where are you today? What's really most important to you? And are we saving and investing and spending in our money in a way that brings us closer to our values. And again, the decision like for us to move here, like it was a values-based decision. It wasn't about the money. Now, ironically, because we didn't expect this, I had been in New York for 18 years. My wife had been there for 30. Um, you know it's expensive when you're living there, but you don't fully appreciate how expensive it is until you move somewhere that's less expensive. And you know the thing is now we have a, a higher quality life much less expensive. I mean, one of the things that blew me away is the reality is like, you asked the question at the very top of the show, this idea, can people afford to retire abroad? You can live abroad for so much less money than the US. I mean, I live in Florence, which is an expensive city and the quality of life internationally, in many cases is actually a much higher quality of life. And the reason, and I'll just say last thing here, the, re the reason is the philosophy is different. People like specifically like in Italy, they don't live to work, they work to live. And I don't know, it's just made us recognize that there is that the idea that you need to slow down to the pace of life. It's really powerful. Let's get I, I want to ask the the nuts and bolts of this. And, and even though I have families I've worked with over the years actually go to foreign countries, some in South America, a few to Europe. It's still for a dad of four little kids and, and a business here. It is, it's hard to even fathom doing this somewhere else, even in a, in a post-COVID world where we've gotten so used to being on Zoom, right? which, again, maybe the, I think one of the greatest silver linings of COVID was to be able to be totally geographically unbound. And I think that that has great positive economic implications. But it really, I go beyond, yeah, I can take a job living in Denver and work in Atlanta now like I maybe didn't used to. But now the silver lining of COVID is maybe we really are totally geographically unbound uh, and we can live anywhere. But what is the cost? Give me some nuts and bolts, one. And my the first thing I, that comes to mind is what is it? What's the kind of the, the general cost of living in a place, a beautiful place like where you are? And then what did you do socially? Like to me, when I think about moving anywhere, I think, oh, wow, I've got to go remake my social network and get to know everybody. Like that seems like a tall order to me. And 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 you did this in another language, for God's sakes. You don't speak, do you speak Italian? <laughs> Very little, which is somewhat embarrassing. Um, so so <laughs> what is that, that like? So here's the thing. There's so many, again, so many parts to unpack. Um, when we came here with our family, because you just said, you know, father of four, right? Like we want, so first of all, the schools are important, right? Because when you move abroad, you want, if, you're, if you move abroad with your children, you want to make sure there's a good school for your kids to go to. The reality is there's good schools everywhere. So our kids go to, the, these schools are called international schools. They're all over Europe. And they have, a, they have a core curriculum that is the same so that your kids can go literally from country to country. They can move from school to school. They can even come back to the U.S. And it's called the IB program, uh, International Baccalaureate. And so it's a super well-regarded, renowned way of teaching and learning, and the colleges recognize it. And so it's, it's shockingly simple to plug into these schools because they hmm. primary language is English, and then they learn whatever foreign language for whatever country they're in. So like my kids' their school is in, is in English, but half the school, but they're also learning Italian, and the school is probably half Italians and then half expats, and expats are people from other countries. So what happens when you move to these locations where your kids go to an international school is it's like going back to camp. I mean, you know, you it's, or freshman year in the dorms, if you went to college, 
you go from uh, having no friends because you just got to town to having a million friends because everybody else just got to town. So we have wow. we have made more friends in the last year, and our life has become more socially robust than honestly it was the previous ten years in Manhattan, and and maybe the and. And I think that that's been really eye-opening for us, too. Like, we've made such—it's been the best part of being here, is we've made such great friendships. And now we have friends that will ultimately, as, as time goes on and we our kids get out, graduate, and people talk about where they're going to move to when they retire, eventually we'll have friends all over the world. But they're, they're, they're very deep friendships in a short period of time because— the one You're in the trenches together, right? We're, it's like, wow, we're, we're doing this together. We're, we're in the trenches together, and we're exploring together, and we're traveling mm. together. Like, I'm going away next on, on Sunday, and there's like, I don't know, nine families that we're all going to the same spa together. I mean, we're going to have five days with all these families. Like, that was virtually impossible to, to pull off that in Manhattan. And one of the things we, I think we realize here is like, we were all working so hard in New York, we never had the time to even see our friends. And now mm. most of us who are here either aren't working or if we are sort of part-time, we're checking in on the companies that we own or it's just different. And, and I think the, you know, unfortunately for better or for worse, COVID did change everything. Like you and I are doing this over a software program called Squadcast, which I've never used before. I will check them out, but I've been, normally I'm doing everything over Zoom. You got on a plane and flew to New York to be with me live in a studio, which was right. incredible that you did that, but you would never do that today. Like I mm -hmm. moved to New York from San Francisco to do TV shows. I've been doing TV shows from here. I used to travel all the time, hundreds of thousands of miles to do keynotes. When I got to Italy, I'm like, I'm done. I'm not going to do speeches anymore. Now I'm doing speeches over Zoom. So this has changed everything. And I don't think in another year or two, we just all get back to getting on planes for the sake of getting on planes. We'll get on planes and travel for fun. But a lot of that business travel, we'll seriously ask ourselves, is it necessary? And I would tell you, Wes, you could live anywhere. And I would highly encourage you to consider moving abroad for a year because it changes your family and it changes your children. And you're young and you can do it. And you, have the, you could run your business and do the show and all the other stuff you do. And nine months goes by like this. And then, of course, what happens when you move to these places is a lot of times after nine months, you don't want to come home. But um, it's by cool. the way, I'm literally I'm in the studio here. We're going to Italy, guys. We're, we're literally <laughs> I mean, it is, it's like this. It, it's so inspirational to think about this. And I think it's even what's ironic about this is that as, as we're talking this through, I'm thinking I've always thought, OK, when you're 60, let's say, and you've financially ready to go, maybe, maybe yeah. you could pull off an international. It may be even easier or better for a family when you have kids because you you get socially plugged in even quicker that way. Now, let me ask you this as a the foremost expert on this. Again, David Bach, lifestyle, number one in my mind of figuring out the financial lifestyle habits of how we need to live our lives. Uh, what would you do though, if you're if for older folks, not older, but let's say you're 65 and, and you go abroad and you don't have kids that get plugged into schools. And I, you know, as a dad, I, I think about my, my social network, gosh, half of it is probably because of my kids yeah. and their schools and I get to meet the parents. What do you, what would you do for somebody who's already kind of retired? Would you say, would you recruit a friend? And by the way, I, I love your idea about if you want to make a great friend, take a trip. I'm a big believer in when we when we're spending and I and I just finished writing another book. One of the chapters is very much it's about spending and understanding the the four percent plus rule. Mm -hmm. And as long as I can just if I really I nail that rule and I totally am comfortable with what I'm going to be able to pull out every year, then look, it doesn't matter what you're spending at all, whatever brings you joy. So I would I would ask you and and obviously lattes is this wonderful metaphor, right? So if 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 our audience if you're 35. David Bach, my question to you, to the 35-year-old listening to this podcast, are they guilty to spend money on a latte or is it just metaphorically you're saying, hey, for me, David Bach, I, I don't get a ton of joy out of a latte, so I, wanna, I don't want to waste, quote, waste that money, but maybe for somebody else, is it okay to do that? Let's, let's unpack your spending philosophy. Yeah, so I mean, what I kind of became really well known for is this idea of the latte factor. And the latte factor was 
something that happened in a class of mine, literally where I was teaching a retirement planning class and I had a young woman tell me that she couldn't use her 401k plan at work. And I had just spent the whole day teaching, pay yourself first, save money automatically, use your 401k plan, taught the miracle of compound interest, showed examples of 20 year olds, you know, if you're in your mid twenties and you save five to $10 a day, how it could grow to be a million dollars. And, and there were so many people in that room, by the way, who weren't in their twenties that were in their fifties, just going, Oh God, I wish I had seen this chart when I was in my twenties. Right. Because so much harder when you're in your fifties and I still would show the math, but Hey, if you're fifties, don't give up. You need to save $20 a day and showed that math. And this young woman named Kim said, yeah, but I can't do that, right? And, and, and I don't have the money and I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And she's sipping a latte from Starbucks and she's telling me this. And I'm like literally in a classroom in front of a blackboard. And I'm like, how much did that latte cost you? And she's like, three fifty. And and you know this is years ago, right? Like today, long time ago, today yeah. In New York, this would be like, like seven bucks, right? Like, so she's <laughs> yeah. you know I had a double non-fat latte, and and she would get a muffin. And so I'm writing this down, like a muffin, non-fat muffin, and you know as I write up her little things, just her star stopping at Starbucks and then her juice break at Jamba Juice at the time, added up to over ten dollars. And so I said, okay, let's run the math. And then I ran the math for her and I gave, showed different interest rates. Like at, you know, at the time I'm like, look, at the, if it averages what the stock market has averaged you and you were in an index fund and you reinvested the dividends and it was 10%, you know, you could have over a million dollars by the time you reach retirement. And she, she literally looked at me and she's like, are you trying to tell me my lattes are costing me? And I had a very specific number there. And I'm like, yes. And so when we left that classroom, everybody was talking about, this idea around cheese, you know, small $5 here and $5 there adds up, but it was never about giving up coffee for some people it literally could be, but for most of us, it's, it's something else. It's, it's figuring out. And I think again, COVID sort of, we've all stopped spending money, right? Cause for so long we've been home, we spent a lot less money. I mean, there are people who literally who are listening to us that normally would spend thousands of dollars a year at Starbucks. And, and haven't. People say, oh, I don't like the coffee when I make it home. Well, everybody learned how to make coffee at home. But I, again, I think what I've always tried to teach people is, look, you got to pay yourself first. You're not going to get wealthy by budgeting. You have to save that money automatically. And you have to make a conscious decision to put yourself first. The financial decision that you need to make is that you're going to take at least the first hour a day of your income off the top. And so if you need to spend a couple days figuring out where you spend money so you recognize that you can save that first hour a day of your income, then that's what you need to do. And I give people this seven day challenge where I just tell you, go track your expenses for seven days, spend money like you always do, and then look at it and go, well, what, what, what could you cut back on? What could you give up that you're spending money on every month? What things have you signed up for that were free trials that you don't really use that now that free trial is costing you a 200 or $300 a year annually? We waste a lot of money on things that actually aren't that important. And I think what people should spend time thinking about is not what they're giving up, but what they're getting up to. Mm-hmm. It's not what you're giving up. It's what you're getting up to. Like if, if you're listening to me and you're like, God, I would like to go live abroad. I'd like to take a sabbatical. Then think about what you're spending money on that's not critical to you so that you can go have that. I, I go back. I love your idea of helping a million people retire one year sooner. And again, what would that take? It would take saving 1% more, which is nothing. Which is nothing. Let's go to pay yourself first. And I, I still, to this day, I don't think you can remind people enough about paying yourself first, doing it automatically. Again, you, when I read this book, I don't know, 20, 15 years, 20 years ago, uh, it, I, I tried to put all those things automatically in motion because it's so powerful. It's like it's powerful for a company to charge you a subscription, right? They're, they're, they're automatically pulling money from you every month. And you say, oh, my gosh, I, I haven't even used the gym membership for six months. But it's in the reverse of that. It's automatically paying yourself first every month. But let's go back to does the automatic millionaire all of those rules still stand. And of course, of course they do. But what are your, or your top, let's call it one, two, three lessons from all of your work or automatic millionaire? Yeah. Well, so let me just start by saying everything that I'm about to say should have been taught you in school before you got out of high school. 
So, like, nothing that I'm teaching is revolutionary. It's incredibly simple. The problem is that we don't have financial education in school. So, people get out of school, and the system is set up to get you to spend every dollar you make and more. And marketing in the U.S. is the best marketing in the world, and it is designed to inspire you to work harder, to make more, and then spend more. And there's a belief, and I had this belief when I was young, that if I could make more money, then I would get around to saving. And what happens is there's what's called lifestyle creep. So, you know, at 50, when I was making, first of all, I got a college, I was making nothing. Okay, then I was making $50,000 a year, but I wasn't saving anything. I was still living paycheck to paycheck because I thought, well, it's not enough money. I need to make 75. And so when I got to $75,000 a year, I was still spending more than I made. And, it, and finally, at $100,000 a year, and I'm in my 20s, I meet this couple, Jim and Sue McIntyre, which is the, who this, the Automatic Millionaire book is based on. And I meet this couple at one of my retirement seminars where they want to retire at 52. And Jim had never earned over $55,000. And he wants to come into my office and do a retirement planning session because he wants to stop working on Friday. And it's a Tuesday. And he's told me all these things, you know, that he's 52, made $55,000 that year. And I'm thinking, Wes, this is going to be one of those terrible meetings where you have to give somebody a reality check. And instead, what happens is Jim and Sue gave me the reality check. They came into my fancy office at Morgan Stanley with a brown paper bag from Safeway with all their statements in it. And they dumped it out on my table. And I proceeded to add up what they had with my little yellow pad and a calculator and they had a net worth of nearly $2 million. They had two homes paid off free and clear. They put their kids through college without, without debt. And they had saved, you know, between their 401k plan and IRA account and some CDs, they had over a million and a half dollars in savings. And that was my eye-opener moment. I was like meeting, you know, the millionaire next door. They had built extraordinary wealth on ordinary income. So what did they do? They did exactly what tens of millions of Americans have done to achieve retirement safely. They paid themselves first. That meant the first time they, when they got paid, they took, in their case, about 15% of their income off the top. And I always taught a minimum of 10%. But the idea, goal should be to save 15% of your income. Now, people suck at math. So I started saying one hour a day of your income. Take one hour a day of your income off the top, put it in a retirement account. Then the second thing they did is they saved all that money automatically. They didn't write the checks themselves. And the third, third thing they did is they had a diversified portfolio that was about 70% stock and 30% bonds. And that got them a solid, it's a balanced portfolio. They didn't do anything fancy. That's what you should be doing. And then they also had homes that they didn't go and buy when they paid their mortgage down. They didn't go buy the next big fancier house. They actually rented their first home out and bought a second home and they paid their mortgages off early. And I learned, because the beauty of being a retirement planner is you get to really see what works in the real world. What I saw in the real world, Wes, was that my clients who could retire in their 50s, typically five to 10 years sooner than the average retiree, they just did two things. Well, three, they bought a home, they paid that home off early. Paying the home off early is the key because then you have less debt. And then they paid themselves first and they had money in the stock market. It was two escalators to wealth. It's real estate and it's stocks. Um, so all those lessons were in the automatic millionaire. And that's what I went on Oprah with. And then we did more shows with her. Um, but those are all timeless lessons. Nothing's changed. Yeah, this, I, uh, not, ironically, yeah. it's like nothing's changed. Like I'm basically teaching the same things I was teaching 27 years ago. I mean, Wes, I, I would imagine most of what you teach, I've, I've read your, like your, your advice is timeless too. So... Yeah. You know, the beauty of timeless advice is and, you and you're doing it from a villa in Florence, which is like, I remember, I, I think I saw a recent Instagram post that you have. And I love that you said something about the light, the way the light comes in in Tuscany, different than any other place in the world. But I, I think you had a copy of the Under the Tuscan Sun. Like you watch that movie with Diane Lane, Diane yeah. Lane and you're like, whoa, I'm that would be cool to go renovate a house in Tuscany. So you've written so many books on finance and behavior. And we just kind of went through, to your point, the timeless advice in many of them is about having a house and then having no mortgage, right? And by the way, that to me, the way I articulate that is the early retiree, the retire sooner family has no mortgage or they figure out a way to pay off their mortgage 
by around the time they're retiring. And I have this cool graph in my book that is, it shows that as years to pay off mortgage comes down, happiness levels actually go up. Empirically, it's it's literally empirically. My research shows that as the light at the end of the tunnel to not pay that check anymore to Wells Fargo, or whatever bank gets brighter, then happiness levels go up because we're 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 getting to the point where all of our money is now discretionary money. The I think that now that I'm thinking about this overseas and how how you could actually do this. Um, you know, what, what is it like, I guess if we were to look at like just a cost of living, can you give us some examples of that? And if you thought about any other countries, David, is it, Italy to me would seem on, on the expensive side. Um, you know, I don't, we, we, we are personally considered Spain and, and we considered mm -hmm. Portugal um, and we considered Italy. And, you know, Florence is, is on the expensive side, right? Like we live in the center of Florence. The interesting thing when you come to a place like Florence is that if you just live five minutes outside of the center, this is like anywhere, right? Probably similar to Manhattan. Like once you yeah, get right outside, Atlanta, once yeah. you get right outside the main center, it's half the price. But here's something I, without giving specific numbers, I'll give you an example. Cause this is kind of, we looked at this yesterday. We were literally in our Italian accountant's office and we were going through some things and I had my paperwork on my apartment in New York. And I showed my wife, Wes, that our, our utilities, our condo fees, and our taxes on our condo in Manhattan. So not my mortgage, just yeah. my utilities and my condo fees and taxes. Significantly more than what I pay for our apartment here in Florence. So wow. my cost of living in, in Florence is I, it's, it's about half, maybe one third of what it was in New York. Holy and, cow. And yeah. so, you know, it's just all, there, are, there is no funny, you know, but I look, I'm in a very fortunate situation where I'm at this point in my life, but the reality is, you know, you could, you could rent a nice apartment for $1,000, for $1,500. Okay. But there's other things besides housing. Like, let's just go to medical. So I've, unfortunately, I got sick in October and I had to go to the hospital twice. And I had, a, I had to go to an emergency room and I had to have a brain scan done. And then I had mm. to have an entire body scan, um, a colonoscopy, like had a, lot, a battery of tests. Mm. Um, that battery of tests over three days in the hospital would have cost somewhere between fifty dollars to $100,000 in the US. Oh, at least. Oh at gosh. At least, yeah. right? Just just going into the emergency room to have a brain scan would have been 50 grand probably. I wouldn't be surprised. All of those bills, everything. What and this is just because I'm not Italian and I don't have if if I was Italian, it would have been free. But because I don't have Italian insurance and I paid, you know, money for my own stuff, it was about $1200. Wait a minute. So this is the biggest, I will tell you, of, of all the, first of all, how are you doing? You seem great. You I'm, seem I'm, doing, I'm doing much, much better. I was very sick for two months, um, but I'm doing, and it wasn't COVID. That was a crazy thing. Um, I just, they don't know what I had, I, um, but I'm doing much, much better. And again, you know, I go to physical therapy. I've got an ankle issue right now. I go to physical therapy for two hours. It's $30. I, I went to, I, we had to go fill, go renew our prescriptions for some drugs. And my wife comes out of the pharmacy and she's like, you're not going to believe how much this costs. And I go, how much? And she's like, how much did it cost back in the States? I said, those three prescriptions, I think it was like $480, $480. She's like, the mm -hmm. whole thing cost $20, 20 euro. So this is a, I would tell you that as I talk to folks about doing this, and when you're in your 30s and you're listening to the Retired Student Podcast, you really don't think much about healthcare, right? I mean, I, I didn't really think about healthcare until I started having kids and go, you know, the, the and then as we get older, we obviously, it's a huge part of our, men, our peace of mind is that I've got financially safe and sound, I've got great healthcare. But going to Italy or going to any country in Europe or South America, do you feel, A, is the healthcare feel just as good as the United States, number one? Number two, do you have any sort of plan that you have, or is it so inexpensive you just pay out of pocket? No. So let me answer the first part and the second part. So the first part is because, you know, we're, 
we're totally misled in the United States. We're almost led to believe like, oh, abroad, you know, the medical care is not the same. No, it's they still this, saw it, your arm off it, if you have for, it. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. The, it's actually I would say it's the same only it's much better. So mm-hmm. you know the the hospitals here in Florence, I mean, there are some very nice hospitals in New York City. These hospitals here are as nicer nicer than any hospital I've been in New York. Uh, they are in many cases brand new. Mm-hmm. They, you know. Almost everyone in these hospitals speaks English. Um, and the medical care has been phenomenal. And, and I've had doctors spend, they don't rush you in and out. So they don't do the classic five to 10 minute experience that you get in the States. I had a doctor recently, a pulmonologist, spend an hour with me. And at the end of that hour, it's really, it just blows my mind away. I have been treated for asthma for well over a decade in New York. And I had all these asthmatic drugs. And when I, I when this, but nobody's really spent a lot of time with me on this issue. They've just given me different drugs. And when I went through my symptoms and this doctor spent an hour with me, he's like, you don't have asthma. You have acid reflux. You're on the wrong drugs. Those drugs, he goes, does those drugs help you very much? I'm like, no, not very much. He's like, because you don't have asthma. It took an Italian pulmonologist who spent an hour with me to let me know I was on the wrong drugs. So, um, but I, we do have insurance. We have there are international insurance that you that we now have, and it covers us here and it covers us in the U.S. Uh, but it's still, you know, what the cost of things are so much less that it, we just have that in case of emergency. So that's not thousands of months. That's like uh, you're talking sub one thousand dollars a month. Yeah. Well, I mean, my insurance again, we're giving you like real prices. My New York insurance for my family was twenty seven hundred dollars a month. Sure. Yeah. And now yeah. my insurance, which is like premium, premium international Cigna insurance. I can use it here. I can use it in the States. It's like a thousand dollars a month. And that's for a family. You have a family, family of four. The last question that has to do with, it's a little bit in the weeds because I can't not ask this. What about, uh, what about taxes and, and what, how do you, when you're in a foreign country and you're working, let's say you make a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's all though you file back in the United States pretty much and you pay normal U.S. taxes or is it – Yeah, what taxes, is the are, taxes, are the, taxes are the most complicated thing. Uh, you're, you, as a U.S. citizen, you can't ever get out of federal tax. Once you, mm-hmm. get, once you leave your state, you get yourself removed from state tax. And then it depends if you're working or not. Like we're technically not really – I'm not really working. I'm doing a podcast with you. It's not being paid. So, mm-hmm. um, But if you have earned income in wherever country you're in, usually you may pay tax on that. Or um, you can also be taxed on your dividend and your, and your investment after you've been in a country a certain period of time. So what is important for you to look up, depending on what country you're going to, is how long can you be in that country before you become a tax resident? Then once you become a tax resident, what does that actually look like for you? Because everybody's situation is different. And then there's a, there are international tax treaties that, that um, are designed so that you don't have what's called double taxation. So that if you do pay a tax in Italy uh, and you pay a tax in the U.S., one can offset the other type of, type of way. But that's, sure. as, that's as detailed as I would go into that answer, I think, right now. I want to know about two, two last things. I want to know about Growth Day because yeah. I know that – and thank you for doing this interview. I know that you're not doing a ton of these being in Florence. Tell me about Growth Day and this kind of next big chapter for you after selling 7 million-plus books. <laughs> I wanted a way to, we've been doing these Zoom events like this where we have thousands of people on, online live. It's been so much fun. So I decided to do this program. You can go to growthday.com backslash David. Uh, or if you go to my website, finishrich.com or davidbach.com, right at the top of my website is a link to get live coaching with me. And it is once a month, I do a live personal finance, life planning, coaching session. I have basically three themes I covered. It's the same themes as my podcast, The David Bach Show. It's life, money, business. Let's rock them all. And so every month I will coach for an hour and then take Q&A live. And so the amazing thing about Growth Day is it was started by a buddy of mine, Brendan Burchard. What he did is he went out and he really found you know some of the best personal development coaches, speakers, educators, authors, successful entrepreneurs in the world, we all banded together to build this new company and provide coaching. And the whole thing for the year is less than a dollar a day. So it's like $297 for the year right now. 
you get mm-hmm. access not just to me, but you get access to dozens of other teachers. It's kind of like, imagine if you had Masterclass Live. Uh, this is going to be that. And then you'll be able to go back in and watch these. If you can't go to the live events, you'll watch it afterwards. So like I just spent, uh, my last session was on creating financial confidence. And we had 3,200 people watch it live on Zoom. And then we did Q&A. And then um, I think like 10,000 more people watched it after oh, on the retro, recording. Yeah, or after, so yeah. um, I'll do that every month. And, and, and that's just kind of like a fun way for me to give back. Instead of going and teaching a live event, now I can go and do this from my home like this. and just With a lot in. more people. A lot more people. That's the thing that's blowing my mind away. Like, I mean, you, you know, we've worked, Wes, I know how hard you've worked. You, you know, you, we go around and I would do events. I'd have 10, 15, 20 people. I've done book signings where like two people showed up, right? Like, yeah, you know, back in the day. And, and, and now <laughs> you show up like this and whether it's a podcast, I mean, your podcast is going to get heard by hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people and eventually millions. And it's just technology has changed so much of the impact that we can make in the world, but it's also changed the ability of anyone anywhere to learn new skills so they can keep growing. And the, the, the reason growth day is called growth day is this idea like, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? So how do you live your richest life now? You gotta push yourself to grow. And you know, inside all of us is like our soul that's usually saying, come on, we, let's go be, do more. Like, and, and, and the exciting thing about learning is that you become kid-like if you keep learning. The moment you stop learning, you kind of get old. <laughs> Yeah. Like like a fast, but, a good vitamin to, to to keep the youthfulness in your life is to never stop learning. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I write about this. And to me, the moniker for that is curiosity. So it's like yes. the, the curious, the curiosity of an of a early retiree is what keeps them vibrant. Last question, because I know you got to go. The, you know, we talk about core pursuits in a lot of my work. Core pursuits are hobbies on steroids. They are the, the three to five to eight things that the happy retiree lives for. And they want to start before they stop. So I always, I, I've seen this trend where if you're overly involved or overly focused on just the money side you 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 stop you have plenty of money to your point uh what what am i going to do with it it's like what's what's good what's the pile of money for what is for you and you've mentioned a couple cool things that you're you know skiing and golfing what is your number one core pursuit life hobby fun that you couldn't live without it's so it's so interesting you you just you're asking this question right now because i literally just got off a session with uh, with another coach coaching me on this exact issue and, and, oh, and the way he asked me the question, he goes, what are you afraid of right now? And I said, you know what I'm afraid of? Because I, I have this really bad ankle problem based on an old injury. And I'm about to go to the States and have stem cell surgery. And I said, my biggest fear is that I can't be active the way I want to be. I want to be able to travel with my wife and my kids. And I want to be skiing, you know, into my 90s. And I want to be, I was, I want to be biking and hiking. And so I, I love an active life, physically active. So... The things I love to do are all physically active things. So right now, my number one priority is get healthy again, get my ankle better. And, you know, I think we're going to stay in Europe a lot longer now. And so once COVID's over, I cannot wait to really travel with my family all over Europe. I mean, that was the beauty before this happened. Like my wife would say, well, let's go to Paris this weekend. And we would go to Paris for the weekend. And then, and then, you know, things like art, like I'm going to get back into taking, you know, art classes and I would actually like to learn to paint. And I want to push myself to do things I haven't done yet. I think what I've realized living in a Renaissance city and I see all this reinvention living in a Renaissance city Mm -hmm. is I want to push myself to do things I have not yet done. So I won't, I won't write any more financial books. I'm going to mm-hmm. wind down my career in the personal finance space because I, I don't want to be having the same conversation. I'm so grateful for what I've done for 27 years and I could do it for the rest of my life, but I want to meet the next version of myself. Mm-hmm. And so to meet the next version of myself, I've got to go do things I haven't done yet. Well, that's part of what growth day is. Growth day is Completely. really, an, it, it, it's an evolution of all of the things that you've taught, but it's even more lifestyle based. I think that's the other, the great thing about for everyone listening to the retire sooner podcast, if you're twenties or thirties, or if you're in your fifties and getting ready to retire, we live in, and maybe this is the silver lining of COVID and technology is that we live in a geographically unbound world today. We live in a world where we have access and resources we have the access to knowledge 
that we would never even have imagined. Like, when would I would have thought, oh, I can do a coaching session with David Bach, right, five years ago? What doesn't even really exist? Ten years ago, what? What are you talking about? Today, it's like, yeah, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to do once a month with David Bach and two or three other experts. That, to me, is a that is a magical period of time that we're living in. So, uh, all right, I, I'm going to let you go. But um, I, I would say I think of this as just – I don't know. It's it's you're in a magical city, and this has been a magical interview, man. Like it's so yes, thank you. so many good things that that our our audience is going to be able. That our audience will be able to take away from this today. I think we're also breaking some boundaries here because even me, who I've I've counseled and helped people think through this many many times, even me to to break my the the kind of the what's held me back of thinking who could he, you can't do this in your 40s but after i talked to david bach no we can we could i could, could it'd, be, it it'd, be, it'd be a really good time to do it especially because your kids are younger because yeah. kids who are young are very adaptable and then it's also easier for them to learn the language so if any point you ever want to have a further conversation around how to go and do it i i highly encourage you consider it i always say there's three types of people when you do something like this those that look at it and say well, that's cool that he did it, but I, I, I would never want to do that. But it's cool that he did it. Then there's the second yeah. type of person that's like, oh, well, of course he could do it. Look at him. Like, they're jealous. And then yeah. the third type of person that says, huh, that's interesting. I'd like to do that. How would I do that? And you can tell, too. Wow. It's so interesting when you, when, you, when you have an experience like this because the moment you tell people what you're about to go do, you can see which one of those people they are. Right? Yeah. Well, I'm in, I'm in number three. I'm like, oh, wait, how can we do it? Um, well, listen, man, uh, really, really wonderful for you to come on. And, Thank um, you, Wes. Stay, stay healthy and stay skiing and golfing and do all those things. And, and maybe I'll see you in Florence, man. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Hey, you come to Florence. Let me know in advance. I'll take you out. Awesome. David Bach, a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, buddy. You can find David Bach, of course, at David Bach. That's B-A-C-H dot com. On Insta, it's David Bach, at David Bach. And then, of course, Growth Day is the is the place that where he is doing his private coaching sessions. Rarely in the world of financial planning do you find something brand new, a brand new take on something. And I think David, what he shared with us today, is totally new and could maybe change somebody's life. If this piqued your interest, the thought of moving to another country, even when you're pre-retirement, even if you have kids, maybe it's not Tuscany. Maybe it's a less expensive place. Maybe it's Costa Rica or South America or someplace in Asia or another country in Europe. And if you have an adventurous friend or even somebody who's not even adventurous that might even think, wow, this is a slight possibility to maybe do or even just to dream about, forward them this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Retire Sooner podcast with me, Wes Moss, and I hope you subscribe. 